This episode is sponsored by Better Help. What is the first thing that you would do if you had an extra hour in your life? Oh, the first thing I just thought was, oh, I'm going to need more than an hour to fit that stuff in. But uh, the fact is a lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time. I know that is for me. That's a big thing, uh, especially you get older. <laughs> um, and the question, you know, time for what? What would you do? Would it actually make you feel better? What is it that you feel you're missing in order, you know, that that would make it better? Um, and and one of the ways to sort of help figure out that out is is therapy. It can help you find out what matters most to you so you can do more of it or focus on what it is that you're spending your time on that that maybe isn't giving you that that sort of fulfilling experience. Um, and it's interesting because a lot of times people talk about therapy or they talk about mental health or it's about uh, trauma or it is about, you know, like like a, a great amount of pain or anything. And those things are all very valid and everything. But also, you know, in some ways there's stumbling blocks. Uh, there is sort of a, a, something indefinable that you're having a hard time getting to that maybe is stopping you from feeling as confident as you can, as good as you can. And, you know, therapy uh, is, is one way to go after that. If you are thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online, is designed to, be, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. You fill out a brief questionnaire, you'll get matched with a licensed therapist. You may switch therapists at any time you like for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today to get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG-13. You're listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 351, brought to you by Graphically and iFanboy listeners just like you. Welcome to the iFanboy Pick Week Podcast, episode 351, The Aftermath. <laughs> <laughs> my name is Ron Richards, and as always, I'm here with my best friend, Connor Kilpatrick. Hi, Ron. And Josh Flanagan. I'm not doing anybody else's bits from now on. <laughs> we I'm, are from the I'm, website. I'm putting a foot down. <laughs> We're not doing it. We are from the website, iFanboy.com, which is a website dedicated to the wonderful world of comics. And every week we read a large stack of comics, and then one of us says, you know... I think this one was my pick of the week, and writes a review of it on iFanboy.com, and then we come back here to talk about that, as well as many, many, many other comic book titles um, and other things that are interesting to us and to you and to your mom. Um, before we get to the show, though, a quick warning and a reminder. We're going to be talking about what happens in the comics, so we might spoil them, so please don't get mad if we do, because we warned you, and that's what makes it okay. So, um, <laughs> that said, Joshua, you had the pick? Yes, Ronald. Uh, and Conarchus, I believe, is the longer version Conar- of that. Conarchus. Conarchus. Conarchy. Conarchy. Yeah. He's <laughs> down by Rockaway. <laughs> Brooklyn's named after him. I don't know how they got Connor out of that. Uh, pick of the week uh, is Hawkeye number two. 
no no real big choice about this one this week. I was uh, uh, I'm I'm looking at it right away. Right away, I'm like that's a that's a very nice cover. And then inside, it just got better from there. Uh, I, I'll be honest. Uh, story was fine. I, I like this uh, characterization of of Clint, um, but it's just like the most gorgeous thing I've ever looked at in comic book form. I I don't know if there's a better. We've just been getting treated to, to wonderful-looking comic book after wonderful-looking comic book for, it seems like, the last year or so. Uh, you know, not all of them, but the ones that are really beautiful stand out from, from J.H. Williams to um, uh, to Paulo Rivera, you know, uh, to, to the stuff that uh, Somni's doing on, on Rocketeer and things like that. And this might be the, my favorite. This might be the best-looking one. I, I think uh, David Aja or Aha, I'm just going to say Aja for, for simplicity's sake, has... Uh, brought this style to the book and i remember really liking his work uh on iron fist but you know he did like a couple of issues and they would have people fill in and and i don't know how long he's gonna go on this but i'll take everything i can get um it just it feels like like a modern updating of of uh david mazzichelli and but with sort of oh really uh i I, like he's got this thing where he's got a ton of panels per page but it doesn't feel crowded and overdone um, which is which is really interesting because it's sort of simplistic but also really complicated, uh, and it just kind of works together. Uh, the, the you know the whole thing, and then the, the, you take the coloring. Uh, Matt Hollingsworth is is put it all in. It's not quite monotone, um, but it's very heavily sort of a neutral tone and a and a purplish tone. And then there's bits of yellow in there, and and you know some skin tone and stuff like that. But it's got a hue to the whole thing. This sort of purplishness, um, and it's just there's there's sequences in here that I've never seen before. Connor put up uh, in the in the best panels of the week he put up the the sort of pacing uh part where you see everything that happens in the in the time that it takes uh clint to pull back his bow and shoot i think it's three arrows uh and yep. and it's just two words or the three words that come out of kate's mouth um as as she's saying it and all the things that he thinks in that time just sort of illustrate how fast he's going sort of the kind of trick you'd see in a flash book or something like that but done uh in a Total, totally original and cool style. Um, I loved that. The, the first thing I actually noticed was on the uh, is the third page. Um, he's talking to Kate and he's describing who she is in between what she's saying. And there's a black and white panel that shows her sort of uh, just like broken down to just the shadows and, and, the, and the hard lines. And it's all brushed. You can just sort of see the they just kind of didn't color that part. And, and, you know, he's saying that she was Hawkeye once and, and describing their situation. Now I know that she was, uh, originally sort of, um, solicited to be in the series and she wasn't in the first issue at all. So I don't know if maybe, maybe this was originally the first issue and they thought of a different one. Uh, you know, they, they did another one, but, uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, I wasn't, I wasn't thrilled about her being in it, but I actually liked her a lot in this and I liked the relationship. They aged her up, I think a little bit, so it doesn't get super creepy, but they also sort of, you know, mentioned the fact that she's really young and, and she's, you know, very different, but, uh, seems very different from Clint, but she's actually really similar and it looks like they're going to go with a non-sexual relationship. No, they're not. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> no, they're not at all. I know, but it's, at least it's, it's sort of, you know, there's a very like, He's try. He's try. He's gonna try not to. I don't know. It, yeah, I guess you're right. Um, but either way, I mean, it works that way. And I, I like that there's a creepiness about it, sort of, and and it works. And she can hold her own against him. And um, yeah, the story itself was the you know there's a circus and it's full of bad guys. And then the um, 
the audience is all super rich bad guys uh, because they're opening a super exclusive hotel and the bad guys are going to rob the other bad guys and Clint has to stop that for some reason. I don't entirely understand. But it was it was just a way to hang out with these people, I guess, a little bit. And you find out that the the ringmaster, whoever he is, was trained by the swordsman also. And so there's a, there's a familial sort of connection there. Um, it was just another, just like the first one, it was another sort of single issue, self-contained. Um, and, I, and I really liked it uh, think, a lot. I, I think this is borrowing a page from the Daredevil playbook and going a little step further in that this, uh, the first two issues, you know, issue one, issue two, they don't look like any other comic, uh, like especially any other Marvel comic on the shelves. No. Like straight down, no. fr- straight down from the cover design to the uh, to the to the credits page, um, to the to that you know that purplish hue that Hollingsworth did such a great job on the um, the the breakdowns and the the panel organization that that Aja is doing. It, it is wholly a unique thing that came out of nowhere. And yep. I know that when this got announced, I mean, I know there's been a lot, you know, there's some people who are critical of, of Matt Fraction's work and Josh, you, you in particular, you know, and so there was kind of like, oh, what are we going to see here? And this, I mean, I think the best thing they could do is to do this sort of thing where it's just, it's like nothing that we're reading right now. And that way it stands out and on top of it. It's great. And I'm really curious and I got to go back, see if I can find some interviews, something like that to hear if you talked about this. But I know when I talked to Fraction about Dare, uh, not Daredevil, about Defenders, he was experimenting with a pseudo Marvel style you know, kind of approach where he was, you know, leaning more on the artist and kind of just giving kind of like, okay, here's what's going to happen. And I want, you know, like, I wonder how much of these panel organizations is Ajax saying, okay, well, this is what happens. I could do a really cool thing here, you know, and it's going back to that Wolverine one shot that we read that had um, much similar, in fact, I think probably more crazy layouts. Yeah, right? no, that's, a, that's a really good point. I think yeah. that you could definitely work in from a, a more plot style script and just say, you know, this is what happens on these pages, this is what happens on these pages, because I don't know how you can script a page that has 30 panels yeah. of faces. I mean, I, you could, but it would be sort of redundant. No, that's, that's great. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, I, think, I think a lot of credit has to go to Fraction uh, because I, I, I'm not usually a big fan of his, but I've been really wholly engaged in these two issues. Yeah. Um, not just from the character work. The character work's been good, but I also think the stories have been fun. I also think uh, this issue is better than the last issue, which I liked a lot of, yeah. quite a bit. But this is a great issue. Um, interesting that Hawkeye's been in costume through the course of two issues in one panel. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, he wasn't even in the costume at all in this panel, um, which I don't mind. I don't mind at all. It's just funny from the, you know from the modern day sensibility is uh, people tend to not usually like that. But I thought this was exciting. It was fun. Uh, it, it felt really dense, but it didn't feel overly like it was. Didn't feel like it was a chore to read. Mm-hmm. Um, this this is as Ron said, came out, came out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, we, I think we all knew this would look good because we all think yeah. that David Aj is a great artist, but. The the way these two guys are working together, and however it is they are working, is just wonderful. They have a, they have a clearly a chemistry together. Well, you know, brass tacks of it is I I've never liked Matt Fraction's work that much. I liked mm-hmm. I liked reading the Invincible Iron Man in one piece. I've never liked anything he's done in issue form. I don't think Iron Fist actually, but that was yeah. with David Osha. So, uh, you know, maybe that's. But I I I really like this. I'm not I'm not seeing a lot of the things that used to bug me about the work. So maybe you know he's he's maturing or like you said he's doing a different style or. You know, he, obviously, he's always had talent. That's that's never been the thing. It's just a stylistic thing I never really liked. Um, but I, I don't I don't feel it here. And I think uh, Connor sort of said, you know, like the pages are are super packed. I mean, these layouts should be overwhelming and complicated, and it should feel f- like like there's too much happening on a page. But because the line work is so minimalized, it it doesn't. 
Yeah. Uh, it's great. I mean, this is I, I, I'm like I can't think of an artist I'd rather see doing a book right now. I, this is yeah, no, this, I, this is long overdue. I mean, especially I mean after getting the taste of him on that Wolverine thing, and I mean like this has yeah. been way long overdue. The one the one crit- critique or criticism I might have, which and who knows, you know, and and Connor, we we talked about this not not on the show, but it's just that as of right now, like I don't feel like this. Is, not, I'm not saying this isn't Hawkeye. But I feel like this could be, you know, the only thing defining him as Hawkeye is the fact that he uses a bow and arrow, and that the and that the girl Hawkeye is there. Other than that, it's not. It does. It feels like you could. This could be an independent comic of a new character. Uh, and, see, I don't know. If and, I may, and maybe that. I don't read enough Hawkeye and that sort of thing. But like, it's it, it definitely like it just feels very. I don't know, generic but blank slatey. And maybe maybe he's doing that on purpose, you know. I mean, that's that's sort of you know. I think what it is is breaking down the character from being. I th- people have the people make him too wisecracky. Think I think yeah. sometimes you know when he used to sort of be like, "Hey, tall socks," you know, would be talking to, to Hank or something like that. Like they've just modernized it and broken that down a little. But I don't think that he's completely neutral. I'm seeing a lot of you know the the conversation on the phone with Kate at the end was definitely. It was like him trying to grow up and be mature, but also not so dark as as Bendis had brought him. Right. Bendis had sort of completely aged him in the post Ronan era. Yeah, it was, and, and, and he was angry, and it was, you know, yeah. yeah so uh, that sucked. Yeah, uh, like in retrospect, at the time it wasn't horrible. Like I just like it didn't, you know, it didn't feel right. If you're gonna, if you're gonna keep this, this, you know, the way that Marvel is, it just sort of its time sort of stands still but moves forward at the same time. Like make him a little more fun. Yeah, it's just, I mean, like I, I mean, like the, I'm looking at the panel where after the whole thing goes down and they they jump on the boat to to get away, and he he yells, "I'm great at boats." <laughs> and that feels that feels like Hawk. Like I'm thinking oh, back yeah. to my, my hardcover of sort of the classic couple of stories that he had. Yeah. It, it seems it seems pretty close. He used to ride a, a mechanical horse. Yeah, that's true. I'm just saying. Yeah. Um, also, <laughs> I, uh, he's he's so good looking in this. He's got Daniel Craig level genes. Yeah, it's not really. Funny. Uh, it's it's well, very. Nice. The, and the thing to to note if you haven't read this book is that so far these two are. St- one and done stories. I mean, there's a, there's a clearly a character thread, just like if you watch a TV show, you know, where there's an ongoing plot line, but mostly it's about the, the plot of that ish, that episode. Like this, you could just read two. You don't need to read one. Oh yeah, exactly. One, and I, and I feel like I feel like one and two are kind of setting the stage for what this is, where it's basically you know modern urban Robin Hood. You know what I mean? Where it's, you know, let's start with two. Let's start with two. If you haven't read it, yeah. one was fine. I enjoyed one. It was it looked beautiful, beautiful. But character wise, story wise, I thought two blew it away. So if you if you want to start with a series, you don't want to go for two comics. Just get one, get two. Like literally, this feels like a first issue. It feels like it could have been the yeah. first issue. Like it was one of the options to make the first one. Yeah. Um, I read this. Yeah. I read this digitally, and I gotta admit that it looks beautiful on my Nexus Seven. Yeah, so. it does look nice. In the yeah. Moment. Yeah. So. Now, Josh, you you said there was a clear choice, but to me, there was there was a lot of really good books this week. Mm-hmm. And one of them was before Watchmen, Silk Spectre number three, which I thought was clear, clearly the best issue of the series. It was tight, uh, tight. It was, it was really good. Um, we bought a, it bought the story of Laurie to a head. It's it, it was dramatic. There was a lot of sort of twisty elements to it. There was a whole beginning of it was an acid trip drawn in a very technicolor, crazy layout style that that wasn't overwhelming. Um, lots of tragedy things happened to Laurie in the background that she doesn't know about that are. Gonna, that's going to bring her down emotionally and there's a little nod to the present when the comedian shows up and finds a little happy face button in the, in, in the, with the hippies yep. and decides he likes it. So 
Um, I thought this was wonderful, Ron. Did you? Did you? Yeah, no, I thought it was great. I thought it was. I mean, it's 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 continuing just the artistic, you know, accomplishment that Amanda Connor is doing with this book, where it's just, you know, we we marveled in the first issue how she was sticking to the to the nine panel grid. And they still are in a way, but, you know, going to going to, you know, more of a but much more of a flexible kind of situation, especially with the trip as and that page that where it just rotates in on her was just it was just amazing. Um, And then the just the drama just gets turned up when when you see her mother freaking out because she ran away and calling uh, Hollis Mason for help. And he's, you know, being the you know, the the calm voice that Hollis is going, well, let her do her thing and she'll be okay and and then she her mom gets all pissed off and calls the comedian and he fucks shit up (laughs) um but in in but while that stuff is happening on the background she's really given the opportunity to kind of come into her own and you you understand now more the motivation of why she does become silk specter um and again the little the the uh the fantasy panels um, or yeah. just or just the high. I mean, it's like you forget about them, and then the moment you forget about them, there's one. They're timed perfectly. They're not overused. Um, the last one when she's sleeping and it's in that position. You know, it's the guy and the girl, and then she's sleeping by herself. You know, little does she know what happened to her boyfriend. Um, just great. I, I just thought this issue was fantastic. So yeah, yeah. This is this is one of the few I'm I'm really excited when it comes out for yeah. these. Yeah, good stuff. Cool. Uh, I, I assume that neither of you have read any of the Cape or the Cape 1969. I read the first Cape. I didn't. I haven't been reading the 69 one. Okay, basically, in the Cape, a uh, guy has power of flight, and he's a jerk. So 1969 is the story of, I guess, his dad, uh, and where the power came from uh, in Vietnam. Um. And it's uh, by a story that was originally by Joe Hill, but this is written by Jason Ciramella, who who co-wrote or pretty much wrote The Cape, uh, the last series. Uh, and the art's by this guy named Nelson Daniel. And uh, it's good. It feels a little like like uh, Garth Ennis light almost. Um, and, the, and the art has this wonderful uh, – it's almost like halfway between um, – the dude who does Lock and Key, Gabriel Rodriguez, and 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 with just a touch of non-silly Rob Guillory, if that makes sense to you. I, I just I don't I don't know if that's exactly the way to put it, but uh, sure, the guy sense. does the guy does all of of the art himself, color and everything, and it's got this like beautiful like cool like halftone uh, stuff that they put on everything that sort of gives it a little bit of a throwbacky notion. It's it's very uh, quick. It's kind of a breezy read. It's it's violent and it's a dude flying around and, and wrecking a, a prison camp in Vietnam. Uh, and uh, it's just it's pretty good. And uh, I haven't heard anybody talk about it. And uh, I've been enjoying this sort of I guess it's a mini series all the way through. Um, but it's it's a great looking book. And uh, I'd, I'd be surprised if you don't see this artist around a lot more. So um, you know, keep an eye keep an eye out for it. But uh, it's if you like the cape, and I thought that that first short story uh, I thought it was really really well done. I liked it a lot. And I think that this is uh, actually just continuing that sort of tone uh, from IDW. But just want to make sure I brought it up, oh people. All right. All right. <laughs> and then uh, over at Boom, now we have we have talked uh, before in in that uh, a licensed property is many times not very good. Uh, however, now we are starting the third series. This one ongoing of Planet of the Apes. They just won't quit. They won't. Uh, Gabriel Hardman and and uh, and Karina Bechko are writing this one, not drawing it. It's a different artist than the last one. 
and uh, it's it's still I, I, I can't get enough of this. Uh, it's just really fun, and they're they're bringing like it's it's sort of moving away from the people who we saw before, but some of the same characters are involved, and we we push forward a little more in history. We're also going backwards to see how those how they blew it up. That's what we're gonna see some of, um, and it's this just ongoing Planet of the Apes story. Um, and I, I just I I'm not like a Planet of the Apes guy either. Like you know, I liked the first movie; it was really good. But I, I've and I've seen a couple of the other ones, but not not like a big thing. I love this book; uh, it's been tons of fun. I'm so glad it's just going to keep keep going. I think that's that's really cool. Yeah. Are you guys reading it? I I just love I just love how this it's the I, I'm not reading it. I have no interest in the apes. Not that the apes are bad. I'm apes are fine. I'm not passing judgment. I just I'm not interested. But um, I just love the story of this, where it's this random one-off, like Gabe and Karina going to Boom and saying, "Hey, can, can we do an apes book?" Well, and, that was the thing. Like yeah. they were totally into it. Yeah, yeah, and like and like and and then and the fact that now it's become a thing, and in in less, I mean, because remember the first one came out at New York Comic Con last year. I talked yeah. to yeah. them about it in in San Diego last year, so just a touch over a year ago. I just and so it came out at New York Comic Con, and that was a year ago, and this is now the third series. Like I'd love that it got it's gotten fan support and momentum. I feel like the Apes fans are really passionate about this kind of thing, and the books have been good. I didn't read this one. I fell off in the last one. I don't remember why. I, I, I love the first mini. The first mini was fantastic. It was a pick of the week. There was a pick of the week in there, but uh, I fell off. But I probably go back and get these and click when they come I, out. I'm form. here to tell you it's absolutely worth it. Like it's just more. And like they're going to get deeper into society now that they've got it. And you know when they say ape does not kill ape, they totally do. <laughs> 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 that's that's all there is to it. Yeah. Uh, how much? How much do you wish? Especially Gabe, the how, filthy chimps. Uh, how much do you wish Gabe was um, uh, drawn it? You know, I got to tell you, like I I'd love that because you know I love his artwork, but uh, it's not bad. They keep finding guys who fit because honestly, dude's a little particular about art. Yeah. <laughs> no. uh, you know, the, 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 the I wasn't last, aware of that. The last guy, uh, uh, Mark Laming, I'm gonna say. I mean, like he was almost just just aping. Oh. Oh, wow. I, did, I didn't even mean to do it, but the word was about to come out, and I couldn't think of another one. I was like, we're just going to have to go with it. Yeah. Uh, and this, this is a little bit different. Let me see who it is. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, looks, it looks the right style. You know, originally they had Jordi Belair coloring it, which certainly didn't help, but now the they've way, got – again, every, every yeah, project did, I look at, she's colored. It seems a reason. Like, it seems like she's been working her butt off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Damien Cusiero is the, is the artist with colorist by by Darren Moore. So I don't I don't know who those people are. Cool. But you know, Gabe does a cover. There's 97 different covers. Well, you can yeah, get. that's the boom thing. That's the I'm so perplexed by the covers thing because again, like I saw on on Silk Spectre in the credits, it was variant cover by by Mike Allred. What did that look like? Uh, it looked good. Yeah, did you see it? And my store, the store I shop at, has all of them on the glass case on the you know the register. I want to see what these. Why doesn't DC post this? I don't know. I'm going to write an email. They want to write an angry letter. If only there was someone at DC who you could email about. I'm it. writing an angry letter. I'm going to write. I'm going right. to. I'm going to hand write it. Did you post well, it? While you do that, to uh, whom it, was, it may concern. <laughs> it was zero month. It's, it, it is zero month at DC Comics, so all the issues are going back to zero until Dear sirs. from the past. And uh, I read them all this week. This will not all, stand. <laughs> so. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. 10, 11, 12, 13, zero issues. Oh, you read them all. Uh, I, did, I did not read them all. I read five of them. You must be dehydrated. Um, oh, I thought this was a quality week overall, so I didn't really feel like that, that pressing, uh, dis, you know, just despair from reading a lot of bad comics. But 
uh, you know, in 13 books, you're going to get a, a wide variety of, of uh, quality. But I thought the top books were Green Lantern Zero, which I thought uh, was the best issue since the first Green Lantern. Similarly, Action Comics Zero, again, was the best issue since the first one. Green, Action Comics Zero was amazing. Wait, wait, wait. Are we, uh, go, are we going down the rundown? Or are we? Because I read no, some I'm, of these, too. No, three of my top ones. Oh, I'm okay. just going to read those my, list my top three, and you can talk about whichever ones you want, Ron. And then uh, the Phantom Stranger number zero, which uh, is basically the first issue of Phantom Stranger, which is setting off a new series uh, of a character who's going to be very important in the Trinity War. That's the big, the big, the first big event from the, the new DC uh, U. So, I I liked you know a lot of them. Detective was good. I enjoyed Swamp Thing. I enjoyed Animal Man quite a bit. Um, I enjoyed uh, uh, World's Finest and Earth Two, but uh, there was some clunkers in there, of course. Yeah. Ron, what do you think? Um, well, so Green Lantern, I, I thought I thought it was good. I didn't think it was. I mean, I think it, I didn't think it was bad. Um, I just I kind of cringed a little at the Middle Eastern guy robs a van that happens to have a bomb in it. It just all seemed to be very stereotype, typical convenience. But I guess that's where the drama came from. But um, uh, yeah, that, that I heard I heard the term heavy handed. Yeah, it was a little heavy in that in that regard. Um. But, he's actually uh, American, not Middle Eastern. Well, I mean, Middle Eastern descent. You know, what I, I mean? believe he's Arab American. Arab, yes. yeah, Arab. I mean, you know, I'm sorry, I didn't mean, you know, like, but, um, um, but yeah. So I, just, I thought that was a little heavy, but it was, it was okay. I didn't quite understand where it fit in the in the. If it's, uh, it fits basically now, as far as I know. So it's, Hal it's, Jordan is gone. Yeah, so it's more of an origin now than going before the New Fifty Two started. Well, it starts before the new fifty-two started and and goes through time to now, just yeah. like Phantom Stranger does that too, because it's yeah. they're, they're they're books that are going to affect things going forward. Yeah, it sounds like Spaceballs. Uh, uh, <laughs> exactly. I thought um I thought actually Co- I thought Action Comics was great. Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was great. I mean, it's basically you know like the the, the focus on the cape and the early stage, and I f- I feel like we didn't get enough of Clark, uh, Superman, and Jean's Superman. This was the Superman series you thought you were going to get. Yeah. This was Clark showing up in, in Metropolis, getting the costume, getting a job, getting an apartment, inspiring kids to stand up for themselves. I love the gag with the cape that was indestructible. Yep. So the kid kid wrapped around his fist and punched his abusive dad. Yeah, smart. Um, yeah. And had the had, tried to get stabbed. The dad tried to stab him, and the knife broke. Uh, so I, I loved all that stuff. I mean, this was great. Yeah. This was wonderful. Um, I enjoyed Animal Man. Um, I thought it fit right into the whole general Animal Man stuff. I wish I could read the comics that happened before Animal Man number one and when this ended, though. Because <laughs> I just really like... And we get and we get a glimpse as Lemire continues to kind of put his mark on Animal Man and tap into what other people have previously done, but morph it just a little. I mean, this is kind of a retcon to a certain degree. Um, it, although it's continuing the retcon that he already did, even though I know there's no right. continuity to retcon, but you know what I mean. Um, right. Um, but I, the, the moment Buddy getting his co- his costume and figuring out his powers and stuff like that, that's that fun moment with any superhero. They're all like, oh, I want to read all those stories. It's the greatest American hero moment. Yeah, exactly. Believe it or not, it's just me. Um, I like the idea that that he isn't the primary avatar. The daughter was always going to be, so he's basically just the stopgap avatar. Yeah, yeah. So he's, not as, he's never good enough. Yeah, he's not as powerful as he, as he should be. He doesn't really know what he's doing because they're like, eh, we'll just make him powerful enough so he can deal with, so he can have his daughter. Yeah, and she'll she'll save us. So yeah. that was fun. Um, Earth two again. I th- you know going back to we di- we never you know we just saw the Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman dead when Earth two started. So it was nice to get a glimpse of what those characters were like in this world. Um, again, yeah. le- left me wanting more. You know, yeah. um, and Swamp Thing. Wa- Swamp Thing was was probably that was I mean was uh, similar to Animal Man, but is the one I was least kind of like excited about. So 
Yeah, it is also the one that was most definitive. Like that was yeah. basically this leads up to to when he came out of the swamp. So yeah. I mean, it's not much to tell beyond that. There was, some, I mean, there was good, there was good and bad stuff through all of it. Uh, uh, Stormwatch, I was kind of bored by. GI Combat had one good story, one bad story. Uh, I wish, I really wish they would get, they would lose this colorist who does Kevin McGuire's work. Is really just butchering it. But uh, what can you do? Awful. What can you do? Uh, but it was, they were fun. I don't know if I'm going to read them all going forward, but we'll see. There are, there are so many wonderful colorists, and so few of them are working for DC. Uh, yeah, it's true. They just don't care. I guess. No, I think you should. No, I think you should commit to reading all um, every can, zero that comes out, Connor. Can you, um, Ron? Can you put a note about that in your letter? What? That this this should not stand. This coloring. Yeah, but and just while part, just I'm on like, the topic of your yeah. comic books, yeah, I, I take let's, issue let's, with your choices of colorists. <laughs> yeah, let's keep it. Let's just keep a running tab just in case anything else comes up. Okay, yeah, yeah. I got my uh, pen. I got my pen and my legal pad. So yeah. I'm okay, writing, okay. I'm, I'm writing furiously, and you know my hand. Are you holding? Are you holding the pen like you would a dagger? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> he tore through the paper at one or two points. It was. <laughs> I forget what it, it was to, we were mad about to begin to with. To the publisher, it's gonna be like Zodiac. <laughs> it's gonna. I also forgot, Josh. Why are we mad in the first place? I, do, I don't know. I don't. I for, I've forgotten already. Oh, what was have it? You, I don't remember cons- either. Five <laughs> <laughs> minutes ago, it was co- varying covers. Varying covers. covers. Uh, this will. I am. Right. I am you, very upset by your choice of lack of promotion for varying covers. Yeah, there you go. Not that I want to buy them. Not that I want to buy them. I would just like I to feel- see them as a loyal reader of many years. <laughs> but the thing is, like, I mean, you could admit you didn't really make any effort. No, I meant zero effort. So, so what you're saying is you would like to have seen them without trying well, or knowing thing. that it was here's, a thing. Here's the thing. No, but they don't put them out anyway. They well, don't here, put them out the like if anywhere. I, if like, knowing what we do and the amount of email we get from the publishers, if I haven't seen it, yeah, I know. I I, I know yeah. what you're saying. So I can't I can't have imagine you? what Joe Schmo in 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 Kenosha is is you know who he wants to see the Mike Allred cover. He'll never see it if I if I'm the guy who's getting the the barrage of emails and UPS packages and letters and just phone calls and texts and everything that every imaginable every imaginable thing mode a PR person has to get in touch with us. If I don't know what the cover looks like. Joe and Kenosha has no fucking clue. And Joe you, Kenosha is a big fan. You can get in touch with Mike Allred. I could. I could just like <laughs> But that again is is not is not his No, it, well it's not. That. This is this is and that's not the purview of the everyday man. Right. So it, it's a, sort of a case in point I mean, again it's, is it's, what he's saying. Have you considered a cipher? It's for this <laughs> I know. I really need to figure out my my my, just, my cipher. Just before you, you know, just make sure you have the cipher down. I find that they really respond well if you just cut all of the words out of a magazine. <laughs> no, I like the cipher. It's good. I like well, you, that. You, you can do both. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do do it that way in the cipher. Well, now I know right. what I'm doing tonight. Um but my yeah. whole thing is that like we are bell ringers. Right? That is our job. We get the message and we we spread the word. I don't know if I want that title. Well, we are. We're, Bell Ringer. Yeah. You're, you're Paul Revere. We're Paul it's Revere a, for comics. It's a, it's a little European. We have you're a, town criers. You're we have an important criers. job to do. And I hear I'm I'm here. I'm gonna I'm gonna go to Google. I'm gonna type in Watchmen variant cover all red. Oh, there it is. <laughs> We're still going to do the letter, though, right? Yeah, no, no, I, this will not stand. All right, good, good. good. Oh, there it is, right on, uh, right on, uh, 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 there it is, right on uh, DC's uh, website. 
Uh, it's in the, on the blog. Let's let's move on to yeah, uh, the final issue of August Near Death. August seventh. Good job, Something DC. Else. Got the word out. That's ama- it's amazing the progress they just made. <laughs> they even know. This is a great cover. I totally would have bought the shit out of this cover. No, you wouldn't have. They would charge you like fifty bucks yeah, for it. Sure, good point. Anyway, sorry. On Near Death number eleven. N- Near Death number eleven. So, um, sadly, the last issue. Wah, wah. I almost got a year out of it. I, tra- I almost got a year of it. I tried my hardest to get you people to read this book. This was a blast. It, it, couldn't even get us to read it. Um, well, I read the first three that, or so. It just it was really. That's the, there's the problem. Yeah. It ended. It ended in a good place. Jay Ferber, the writer, admits in the letter column, "This isn't the ending." I, I, I'll give the exact quote. Yes, when I conceived the series, I knew what the ending would be. Dash dash. And this isn't it. <laughs> so that's not as sad as the Savage Dragon letter column. Yeah, no, it's not as sad as Lar- Larson and the Savage Dragon letter column this week. Not a good look. To quote Jason <laughs> Wood, not a good look. Um, but uh, but no, but Jay's very honest with it. Just sales wasn't where they needed to be on the mo- on a monthly basis, and and so he, he's looking at this like the whole premise of this book was to be like a you know kind of action '80s TV show, and this is kind of like a series finale. Um, so I don't know what the numbers were on it or what it takes, but hopefully we'll get some more near death. You know, in the future, he wrapped up the story, left Markham in a good spot. Um, you know, and he just says, um, you know, he he says he doesn't feel like him and the creative team are done with the book, and that's good to hear. So. Um, so go pick up the trade. Maybe you'll get new life in that regard. And also check out Point of Impact, his next series, which is coming out in October, which looks really cool. You think uh, even creator-owned heroes will make it to 11 issues? I don't know. Did you read? Do you guys read this at all? No. Sometimes. All right. Well, here's how it works with me. I am looking at the pictures. Okay. Uh, not really reading it. Interesting. I'm sort of going through it. Because Phil, no- Phil Noto and yeah, Kevin Mellon on it. Pretty, yeah. um, you know the story, Trigger Girl 6? It's the, the Phil Noto story. Yeah. Okay, you know, uh, uh, there are a lot of talking animals at the end of it. <laughs> and I was like, well, on the one hand, I didn't see this coming. On the other hand, I don't like it at all. There was yeah. like, he breaks into a room and there's a bear. And he's like, let me tell you what happened, son. And there's a lot of the animals explaining what happened. There's an angry eagle. <laughs> well, the eagle's always angry. Let's. I, mean, well, I watch yeah. a lot of Muppets. I know that angry. He was literally eagle. like, he's like, don't you say a thing or I'm going to rip your throat out. <laughs> Listen, the eagle's almost hunted to extinction, so it should be, it's got a right to be angry. It had an environmental message. It's not really what I was going for. Right. And that what happened was Trigger Girl 6 was like a clone of the president's mom. And she had which president? The Barbara. president. He wasn't wasn't a real one. I definitely wasn't Barack Obama. Right. I can I can tell you that. Was, uh, the, was the president from Escape from from New York? Was it Cliff Cliff Robertson? I don't. Uncle Ben. Yeah. Was it <laughs> First Uncle Ben. <laughs> oddly enough, second Uncle Ben also a president. Weird. They were Whoa. both president. I, wow. 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 That's great. Let's move on. <laughs> um, Ron, are you still reading The Punisher? I am. I think this is uh, after um, Garth Ennis' run. This might be my, f- and after Jason Aaron's Max run, this might be my fam- favorite Punisher story. Really? I think overall the story that the Ruck has been telling through these 15 issues, and there's only a few more left until they, I think, reboot the series as Punisher Warzone. Well, no, War they're going to finish the story in Warzone, basically, because they're, uh, yeah, so. 
Well, anyway, I think this this tale he's telling with this woman who's being sort of becoming the Lady Punisher, but also being redeemed, and this whole conspiracy theory and the the war that they've been take, taking to these these people has been fascinating. And I think the Marco Marco Cacetto art has been wonderful. Uh, this is a Punisher story like unlike I've read before, and I really like it. Yeah, this was this was this is really um, realistic. Yeah, like really brutally realistic. Um, like, and, I need to read this as a, from the beginning. Yes. And and I do love. I mean, honestly, I like the bearded, one-eyed Punisher. I like it. Yeah, it's a good look. His days are numbered. Yeah, and I like I like when he gives her the bulletproof vest with the skull and says, "Where's the skull?" It, ter- it terrifies them. And know what I did love about this was I loved once the tear gas hit. Um, Connor, did you see just the skull shadow uh, periodically throughout the tear gas? I think they do. They're doing some wonderful yep, artwork, and, things, and the, yeah. not just the the drawing, but the coloring, which we, which yep. would probably be where that comes from. But yeah, I did. The, the, yeah. Uh, this, so the, so the, so basically, this this crazy guy takes over a bank, and the cops are all on it, and, the, and shooting up people. The cops throw tear gas in it, and then as you're going, the stuff's going on, and everyone's yelling, and like, where movement? Move, and you just see all you see in the background is you just see a, the skull because you know like Punisher is on the move, and you don't know where he is, and it's just it's at the same time horrifying, but also like excite like like exciting. So really exciting. Yeah. 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 No, I, th- I think uh, this is one of the better issues too. This is one of the, yeah. the, the best ones I've done. Overall, I think this tale that Ruck is telling has been fantastic. Yeah. So if I were to say, I'm going to say a couple of names. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anthony Anthony Johnston, who we know from um, the book. What's the, the Wasteland. Wasteland, Wasteland and stuff like that? Yep. Um, Alan Moore. I know him. I don't. I don't know him. Uh, and Malcolm McLaren. Uh, the Sex Pistols. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Owned the shop owner. Did not design the strollers slash supercar. No. Um. Uh. It it's uh, basically a comic book called Fashion Beast, which was a story that McLaren came up with in the eighties, and Alan Moore helped write, and then they tried to make it into a film, and there was a screenplay written by Alan Moore, and it never went anywhere. And um, Anthony Johnston, with Alan Moore's blessing, dusted off the screenplay and now has, uh, at Avatar, of course, has worked with uh, Facundo Percio, the artist, to adapt it into a comic book. And it gets Mm. better from there. A big factor of Fashion Beast directly ties into uh, the song Deep in Vogue that Malcolm McLaren put out in 1989, which Madonna ripped off for her song Vogue. Yeah. So this is just oozing with pop culture kind of uh, and 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 basically at the end of this issue there's a cross-dressing coat check girl and she's at a nightclub and she starts voguing and the whole crowd is screaming and they're all voguing with her and that sort of thing and and I, I just saw on the rack and I'm like I can't not buy this. <laughs> it's, it's a fucking- I can understand that you, Ron, yeah. would not be able to not buy that. Yeah, yeah. So I'm on board. Well, good for you. It's fascinating. I never thought I'd read a, com- a Malcolm McLaren comic book. That's pretty cool. So, Alan Moore. Yeah, we get the feeling you've been cheated. <laughs> no, that's, yeah, anyway. I know. Yeah. It's all I had, dude. I know. I know. Fair enough. Um, it wasn't bad. It wasn't, it wasn't bad. I had um, the accident. Archer and Armstrong, number two from Valiant. I'm actually, I'm really, enjo- I'm really, in this of, of the Valiant books, I'm, I am enjoying Archer and Armstrong quite a bit. And, yeah. Um, I like what Van Lenty's doing um, in terms of the bringing these two unlikely kind of this pairing together. Um, you know, it's very steeped in in kind of there's a religious kind of overturn, turn, you know, overtone type thing, but um, like religious conspiracy. But they go to Italy and it get it got very Indiana Jones and Last Crusade y 
where you know they're in an old you know church and yeah. they hit a thing on a statue and it opens up a door and then this whole big you know like this whole was there a knight templar there no there wasn't a knight templar but there was a, a sect of nuns of old nuns so mm-hmm. um knight nuns which did the kinda, nuns say you chose poorly? No, no, they're they're gonna administer. La- do you have any? Do you have Fuck, a final, I want to watch Last Crusade now. I know, I kind of do. I know, oh man, it doesn't. It doesn't fucking Raiders isn't playing in my that. city. What no, the it hell? Doesn't. I, I once missed a class in college because it came on TV. <laughs> that, that that's not even a thing where I would even the least bit surprised. Yeah. And that's not, <laughs> that doesn't sound like it was an infrequent occurrence. It came on HBO and I was like, oh, oh look, crap. it's MacGyver's on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like so. you said, oh crap! Yeah. You're like, Connie, you going? Nope. <laughs> pretty much here's what I can tell you about Archer and Armstrong too yep. a lot of narrative heavy lifting going on here yes yeah, there was yes. a lot of talking yeah there was uh, because it's a big story that he's trying to get out yeah. and get all that gunk out of the way so that he can keep going I'm liking Clay- uh, Clayton Henry a lot though hmm? I'm liking Clayton Henry a lot okay yeah, Good. no, I mean, I just thought, I mean, it's, it's, it's very, I mean, it's, it's getting the job done. I mean, it, and it's, you know, it's a clean, he's got a clean line and there's that with the one page where the, um, uh, when they're in the church and the walls are coming in on them and the, the, the panel stepping down to, you know, kind of illustrate the, the squeeze that was going on. It was, it shows, it shows promise. If it you know, if it breaks, if it can break free from the, I feel like it's playing it very safe. A little. Yeah. It's a little. It's a little obvious. Yes. Yeah. But if, if uh, but if they push it a little more, then then they can have something cool here. So. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Ron, the last time we talked about this book, you hadn't read the issue. Did you I'm, read Smallville I'm season eleven Smallville, number five? It's sitting on my tablet. I'm gonna read them. I will. Okay. Yeah. So this is the first issue where Batman and Nightwing show up in in the Smallville world. Oh my God! The, really? Uh, is it characters Ian? never never allowed to be touched? Is it Ian Somerhalder? Does it look like him? No, it well, it's similar to the problems we've had in the series before, and this is crisscross instead of Pear Perez on the art duties. In that the story's great, the script is great, the characterizations are great, the dialogue's great. It's that the art is really rough. Yeah, and I don't know why they are skimping on the art on these general interest books, because um, Smallville would be the one one of those books you could put out there and people would buy because they love the show and in much bigger greater numbers in who read comics. And to me, the art is 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 really. And Chris Cross is a, is a veteran. He's been around for a while. And Pere Perez is, is a veteran as well. And he did completely different kind of work on Batgirl. For some reason, they're both, they're both employing a strange style that, it, that sort of gives everybody's bulbous faces. And sometimes they're dead-on actors, and sometimes they don't look anything like them. And, right. Ugh, it's rough. It's, art's rough. But the story's great. Batman is fun. The interplay between Batman and Nightwing or Bruce and Barbara and Civilian Get Up is great. She's a fun, fun character. Um, Similar moment to the action comics where uh, a bus is full of kids is being hijacked and a little kid's wearing a Superman T-shirt, so he says he's not going to he's not going to let this happen. He's going to stand up for what's right, and yeah. you know, good stuff, good stuff yeah. in it. All right, maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll catch up on it this weekend. Story's good. You will enjoy the story. Yeah. It's just that the art is rough. Yeah, that's all. So uh, the first X Men number two, uh, Neil Adams and Christos Gage's uh, story of uh, basically going uh, X Men first class. I could do that better. This didn't need to happen. Uh, um, and it doesn't need to happen at all. But um, and my problem with the first issue was that it was um, it was it was just it seemed again talking about playing it safe. It just wasn't. It was crazy enough. It was kind of boring. It wasn't that crazy. Uh, this issue starts to cater into the crazy. <laughs> 
because I'm reading along and it's normal. And they're so they're the Wolverine and Sabretooth and this team that he's put together, which has a a Bigfoot like s guy and this um, a girl who's called Hollow who can H O L O who can make holograms can make you know people see you know something else. Um, and this and this kid who's got energy powers and they're all hanging out in upstate New York and Wolverine's kind of hideaway cabin. And the woman uh, Hollow is bringing in a thing, a, a plate of you know burgers, <laughs> and just Wolverine just goes ah and attacks her. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like Neil Adams' books as narrated by Ron Richards. <laughs> just like you should do, you should get the audiobook contract. You right? should, and don't read it. Just tell me what's happening. Like I probably should have put this in the best week of panels because it's like Sabretooth is like eating a burger, and Wolverine's in the background, and like. <laughs> Wolverine just jumps at her and she like throws the food up in the air and, and it, like, it reminded me of the old uh, wacky Justice League Aquaman in the 80s that uh, Cater, Tom Caters did the podcast about with Aquaman right. hiding in the pool to sucker punch Citizen Seal. <laughs> it was and then and then the kid the kid who has these energy powers he gets these little <laughs> he gets these little bubbles on his body and then he's got a Wolverine's teaching him how to use his powers and the, the text is actually Wolverine saying these boils they're energy inside you it's like they look like boils on his body <laughs> just like so it's starting to get a little wacky and then you get to Magneto who's got crazy hair and he's wearing a suit and a cape and he looks ridiculous so um yeah, not quite the level of um of, of fun that Batman Odyssey was, but uh, it's showing promise. <laughs> Sounds like it. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so those are the books we wanted to talk about, uh, and the ones Ron really enjoyed. But you can also go to hamway.com slash comics. You can make your pull list for the week, and you can rate and review your own books, and you can make your own pick of the week. And let's read off the top five. Picks of the week as chosen by the audience, and this is at the time of recording. Number five, because the numbers are close and they've been changing just as we speak. Number, f- I've got a tote board that it updates live on my living room wall. But it's awesome. but it's it's cardboard, so he's got a, yeah. he's got a guy. He's a volunteer, public radio yeah. volunteer. It's an intern. He just comes told, in and just changes. We told him white out. We told him that Connor was public radio. So just <laughs> if everyone could keep that on the down low, yeah. Number five, Green Lantern, number zero with 2.3%. Number four with Action Comics, number zero with 3.1%. Number three was Ultimate Comics, Spider-Man, number 14 with 3.3%. Number two in a strong showing, not numbers-wise, but in placement-wise, Planet of the Apes, Cataclysm, number one, 3.8%, which means number one was Hawkeye, number two, with 68.2%. And well-deserved for Hawkeye. I don't know what I would have picked because it was close between Action... Uh, Silk Spectre and Hawkeye, but uh, that is fault. that is easily the best rating Matt Fraction has ever received on our website. Yeah, yes, it really absolutely. is. Yeah, it's my, it's and well deserved. deserved. I'll I'll tell you what my pick of the week was. You're a liar. My pick of the week was no, I'm not. But our first review comes from Marcavo, who reviewed Black Kiss Two Number Two from that modern master Howard Chaikin. and <laughs> Marcavo gives the story a two out of five and the art a four out of five. Which I disagree with because I felt the story was stronger in this issue. But anyway, um, Marcavo says nobody made it their pick of the week this week. Um, and Marcavo says there are less, quote unquote, bros in Hawkeye number one than there are dicks in this book. Wow. <laughs> with a lot of dicks. I'll stick around for book number three, uh, for issue number three. And if I don't see some solid plot crystallize, I'll have to drop it. Maybe I'll have to reread it to, to uh, reread it set to some CD keyboard music with a waka waka vibe to ignore the fact that the story isn't very solid before I quote unquote get it. Did I like it? I'm not sure. It's certainly an interesting commentary from Chaikin, and it's wonderfully drawn. Um, you got to go read it again because this immediately picks up from the last issue, 
And there's the story is right there is that there's this um, soul eating succubus that is passed through sex from person no, there, to person no, no, through the no, century. No, there, no, there isn't. Yeah, there is. It's not. Did you read it? it no. <laughs> but listen, what you're seeing, it's between you and there's li- Jacob. It's, it's a lot listen, of dicks. Listen, I'll tell you, there, there's a lot of cock in this book. <laughs> there's a lot of dicks in this book. <laughs> And we're not and talking. And, and at the end of the day, that's what most people are going to be taken away from. Yeah. That said, though, again, Chaikin is just, oh, my God, the backgrounds are just so detailed. You're really obsessed with I, the I backgrounds. Love, I, I'm not sure there are backgrounds. Yes, there are. Because I'm pretty sure I didn't notice any in the first one. What? <laughs> I, listen, I may have had my focus elsewhere. Oh, I see. I get you. I get you. It may have been that there was yeah. a lot of dicks. I'll, I'll, tell, I'll tell you what about this. It's dirty. Yeah, we know because of the sheer number of dicks. Because anytime you have that many dicks, well, and really let's, not let's, a chance that it's not going to be dirty. And let's and let's be honest. By the way, while there is a lot of dick, there's also a lot of three ways. I mean, like it's not just it's not you know like you know like <laughs> there's a lot of boobs and there's a lot of you know. But the, but again, as I like to point out, if you talk, wasn't not the good not the good kind. There was a lot of. Yeah. Josh, did you read this issue? No, God, no. I think you should. Yeah, really? I think you. I think you'd offer a good counterpoint to Ron's. I think the, the. You know. Do you think that anything I said is going to be different after having read it? It's good. Well, you'd have a, you'd have specific examples to point to. Okay. Well. Okay. At I, least I, glance I, through it. Listen, when the next time it comes up, I will. I will read it for the show. All right. Cool. Great. Excellent. Oh, Greg, well, Ro- look. Greg. Greg Roy, 42, reviewed Mind the Gap, number four, and gave the story a five out of five, and the art a five out of five, and pick week percentage was, is this correct? Uh, two, I believe it is. Two percent. So that means it just missed the top five. Uh, and Greg Roy, 42, says, this is a mind-bending journey that leaves you guessing, but at the end of this, I feel fulfilled, not empty. I've grown to care about Elle, hate her father, love Joe, and I've become suspicious of Dane. This is what a good story should do, pull you in, and I'm on the edge of my seat waiting to see what happens next. I, I thought I, this got a little wacky with the wolves and the and the fantasy sequence, but um, but again, I'm I'm right on board. I'm enjoying it. So, yeah, no, I think I think he is McCann, is who's the writer, is playing around with with the whole uh, fantasy aspect of it. Um, I think to me, the most compelling part is the mystery, but yeah, I think it's holding together well so far. Yeah, yeah. cool. So those are the books yeah. that you reviewed and enjoyed. Go to ifanboy.com/slash/comics, and you can make your pick of the weeks and write reviews and get it on the get on the show. Uh, next up, we're going to do some emails. Uh, first one comes from Craig. And Craig wondered if the three of you, that's us, could help me out. I was having a debate with a couple of guys at work and could really use some backup. We got you. We got your back. We might. You can listen. You, you don't no, know. No, no, no. Craig, don't commit us until we know. Craig is, Craig is one of us. How the Nazis were. I'm not leaving Craig. I'm not leaving Craig behind. Craig's one of us. I got your back, Craig. Wait. I'm not saying I won't. I'm wait, just saying I want to know, know what he's talking about first. Are we talking about the Nazis from a style standpoint? Oh God, Josh! Don't just read Please the email. Just read on, read on. <laughs> just read it. I got myself. <laughs> Somebody else is gonna have to take over. Craig right. says uh, a couple of the guys the other day at work were arguing about Batman. That Batman isn't a superhero because he doesn't have superpowers or abilities. He's just a man with cool toys who has trained all his life. 
My defending argument was that, firstly, he was one of the greatest superheroes doing anything with his power, everything with, with his powers to do the right thing without the superhuman abilities of his fellow superheroes being the definition, very definition of a superhero. I then broke it down into the two words, super meaning great, excellent, large, and superior, and hero, a person with, of distinguished courage, of ability, admired for their qualities and nobility. Batman is all of this and more. For me, the term superhero is an archetype rather than a rigid definitive category. So here's this question. How do you define a superhero? Is Batman a superhero? And do powers define a superhero, or is there more to it? Please back me up, Craig. Craig, Craig your friends are pedantic dicks. Yes, we got your back, <laughs> Craig. We got your back. And you're, you're, they're wasting your time. Yep. Uh, uh, super, uh, better, than, better than your average guy. Yep. Batman has no superpowers, but he's better than your average guy. He's doing more with what he has. He's, he's putting it all on the line. He's a goddamn superhero. He's the superhero. This is the point in the work conversation where I look for an exit. Oh, yeah. Why? They don't, you, you disagree? I, no, no. I, I agree completely. But, but if, if, if this is the, oh, what's going at on. Oh, his work. Office, you're at his work. Like, I, thought you meant, I thought this is the point at our work where you're looking for oh, an yeah, exit. No, I'm, yeah. I'm finally I hit my breaking point. 12 years. <laughs> and now I'm um, – no, this is if – I'm, if I'm Craig, I'm just like, uh, what's going on over there? Yeah. Uh, and There's get nothing out. to win. You're, you're, you're fighting. They don't, they don't know. It, yeah. It's like they're whack jobs. Yeah. Don't. Don't I mean I wouldn't play this for them because it's just going to wind them up and you'll be wasting a lot of time. But I mean you can know it. You can know it in your heart. It's fine. Um, yeah, no, I, th- I think Batman's completely a superhero. I think I, I think that powers don't define the hero. I think their ability. I think their their what their actions define it. And, and that that's that's what's so great about Batman is that you know through training and a lot of money, uh, he's able to hone himself and become a superhero. You know, so I don't think there's anything. Although this does remind me of the Seinfeld bit about Superman versus Thor, and how Thor would win because Superman he's a superman. Thor's a god. <laughs> So, anyway. He's not really a man, though. That's why it's a right. misnomer. Right. No, I know. Anyway. Super alien. All right. Yeah. On to our next question from Scott, who says, if the comic market is supposedly shrinking and dying, and it's hard to find new, it's hard for new titles to find an audience, how come it seems literally dozens of new expanding publishers, Image Expanding, Monkey Brain, Oh Yeah, Valiant, Relaunching, etc., are jumping into the market with both feet? How are small publishers other than Image staying in business constantly, but producing titles that sell less than 10,000 copies, which I thought was the minimum for break-even pro- profitability? That's, That's a an very, arbitrary number. Yeah, there's there's yeah. no actual number because it really depends on what they put into it. Right, and many image books don't sell ten thousand, so and um, they don't make that money. Yeah, um, I think you are giving um, things like Monkey Brain and all, yeah, and and maybe Valiant a little more credit. I mean, they're they're here now. Let's 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 see in a year. Yeah, or, yeah. yeah I mean, you got you got to understand. Like, I from what I understand, this Monkey Brain isn't there's not a lot of upfront costs. Uh, right. People are. Bringing their projects to the fore, whether those creators are, are paying artists or not, uh, they're just doing the work for for free, and then they're being sold digitally. So there's not a lot of overhead, yep. as far as I understand. So so you know that's one reason. You know, I, I don't know the story is behind Valiant. Obviously, they had to have some capital to keep going, but I you know I doubt they've made it back yet. So it's probably like a question of you know cash burn versus hoping they can build an audience you know before they run out um, and we've seen this lots of times before but i think the other thing is that a lot of the smaller publishers the the you know they they run right on the edge of profit and loss yeah. a, a lot of times and it's it's it only very, takes one big loss to or, or you know, like a, a delayed diamond payment, or yeah. or, or a, we've heard stories about book returns. Yeah, that, there have been several publishers who have nearly gone out of business because of because oh, I don't know, a big chain like Borders goes out of business and returns everything right before they do. Yeah, and so they didn't really count on that that loss of cash. Yeah. Um, but you're right, and I've th- I've thought, listen, uh, you know, like the, the industry isn't shrinking and dying; it's changing. 
No, I, uh, I, I think I think it's a ma- I think it's a fact of we're, we're in a great kind of entrepreneurial environment where people are like, you know, I could, you know, like I, I got an idea, you know, the tools are there, I could give it a shot, and I think that's great. I think that's what well, they, comics they're also so seeing that there's people from the outside are seeing money in comics whether it's there, yeah, and they want they want to get in on it, whether not, yeah, you know whether really. they can get it is another thing. Tool wise, you know, there, there's more tools to more cheaply and effectively produce comics than ever. That's true. Also. Talent wise, we're probably at as good a place as we've ever been for creating sort of a, a even a adult contemporary sort of comic book based stories. Like Kenny uh, G, exactly. Or Michael Bolton. Let's do a Michael Bolton comic. And that's the end of that email. So if you've got any questions, you can email us at contact at ifanboy.com. He just loves that woman, Ron. He does. On to the voicemail. <laughs> Our first voicemails. Got a question that's probably going to lead me to write a letter. Hey, this is Brandon from Denton, Texas. Uh, I had a question, especially with uh, DC's new uh, cyber treatment uh, for the Zero Issue Month. Um, does it ever bother you guys that uh, they get other artists to do covers for comics and then a completely different artist to do the interiors? I understand they're trying to uh, move units, but um, sometimes kind of irritates me when I see a, a really good artist doing the cover and a maybe subpar artist doing the interior. Uh, is this the way the industry is, and should I get over it, or does it kind of irk you too? Uh, anyway, I'd love to, love to hear what you say. Love the show, guys. Thanks. And another thing, Mr. Publisher, your cover <laughs> tactics <laughs> irk me. Tactics. I like that. Yeah, good. tactics. <laughs> you, you need an appendices for your letter. I, listen, listen, I don't appreciate your ruse. Uh, um, no, uh, my, my take on it is I'm actually, and I don't know whether I have no idea whether you guys agree with me or not. I'm fine with a different artist doing the cover than the interior, like because because it definitely does it does it, it's it's a known sales booster, and you get a cool piece of art by an artist that you may like or you may not like. I just hate it when it's got nothing to do with the interior. That's all. See, so. this is the thing that you used to say that's that all your the time. Argument in the letter. Yeah, that's you should you, should, yeah. you put that in there too. Yeah, it, of course, it's still happening. Yeah. Okay, and related, but not directly the same thing, Mister Publisher. Yes. Yeah. While uh, I'm the subject. While I'm, yes, while I'm I was, the... I was working on a comic book project. Can we ask a guy to do a cover for us? Yeah. And the guy said, "I'll do it," but the artist of the book should probably put his signature on it instead. It makes more of a statement, and I really liked that. And I think that one of the things is that is what he's talking about is the covers are promising a lot more than the interiors are delivering a lot of times, and that is a letdown. Yeah. Uh, well, when when that, you looked I mean, at yeah, the pick of the, the week, Hawkeye when, number two this week, you know the dude gave you a full package inside and out, and, and I got to appreciate that. And you know sometimes it's fun. There's guys, great artists who don't do interiors, so they're only going to do covers, but – you know, yeah, like all the, things being equal, the, the, I, I think it'd be you're, good. You're talking about the switcheroo. You're talking about where it's like the switcheroo the, is very bad. Yeah, the switcheroo is bad. But but I think I, and I think the challenge is, is that you get an artist that, to do the cover that is that is you, it's a clear delineation. It's clearly credited and it's clearly all stuff like that. You know, I never actually thought about that. But um, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm looking at at this before Watchmen Silk Spectre, and that's Amanda Connor doing it, and it and it's telling the story of the of the of the issue. Which is great. Yeah. I mean, even first X Men's a Neil Adams cover, and that's covering what happens in the issue. You know, so. to be is fair, Wolverine lunging at the food. No, it's, it's, <laughs> no, it's Magneto throwing a car at Wolverine. If you've got a, if you've got a sort of okay artist inside a book, I could see why you would want to put them on the cover. You're gonna have to sell the book somehow, especially yeah. with the smaller publishers. You, that's why they hire John Cassidy to do all the dynamite covers, and then but, Alex Ross does all the dynamite covers, and now Frank Cavillard because. You know, some people just that's they got big fans and they're not, well, not selling that book any other way. Let's not be let's yeah. not be too hasty. Frank Avia can do all the covers as far as I'm concerned. He's, I'm he's, not saying it's bad. I'm just saying that's why they do it because they've got he's fans. giving it a go. Yeah, yeah he is. So. <laughs> he's, he's giving it the old try. All right. We got one last quick voicemail. Hey, guys, this is James.
James from Indianapolis. I took your recommendation and picked up all three of the Parker books, and you were 100% right. They were great, and I love them. And I'm now a huge converted Darwin Cook fan. And I'm looking for other things that he has done. So I went and looked him up, but all I see is a whole bunch of single issues. So what's the deal? What can you tell me about him? And can you recommend a couple of things that he's done in the past that you think I should pick up? Thanks. What can we tell you about Darwin Cook? He's very intimidating in person. That's true. <laughs> it's true. He just, and he makes you feel like less of a man. Yeah, that's true, sure too. <laughs> but uh, he's also a sweet tell you about him. Uh, work-wise, though, there's a, there, he hasn't done a lot of runs. Um, but he's done a couple of great. I mean, everything he's done has been great. Well, this is currently the, he's doing the Before Washington book, the uh, the Minuteman. If you yeah. want to pick something up that's current. Well, this is this is the but, this is the easiest and easiest question to answer. It just it's everything. Like if you see his name on, it, I get it. You know, like he's never let, issues. He's never let me down. I mean, you know. But in terms of books, like so, he's doing the Minuteman now. I mean, New Frontier is the is the biggie, right? That's um, probably the classic one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, his run on Catwoman was was fairly uh, definitive, I believe. <laughs> He only did like three issues. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. And then he, he 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 left book very quickly. Uh, so it's not really a run. He there was a first. there was a Batman story. Uh, Batman ego. Batman yep. ego. Did, yep. uh, Selena's big score. And then um, um, the spirit was twelve issues and then, of solid. And the yeah, spirit was fantastic. Yeah. That's not an absolute, is it? No. No. It should That's be stupid. Should be. It is stupid. It didn't sell though. So I, I know, but it should be. Just so the spirit run with the first twelve issues. New Frontier was four. So four or six, uh, five big issues, weren't they? They were a big oversize. It's an absolute edition. It's in two trades. It's 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 Darwin doing the entire DC universe. If you want to see him do that kind of thing, get it. Uh, the Spirit, uh, Parker books, which you've read, the Minutemen, which is coming out now. And then there's there's a there's a there's a Darwin Cook Batman trade that DC put out, which includes Ego and includes stuff he's written, but not necessarily drawn. But, but also there's a Selena, Selena story he did draw. So look for that Batman. I think it's called Ego and Other Stories, and it's yeah. all Darwin Cook stuff. Um, and he's done here stuff here and there, but those are those are really the collections you want to. You want to look. If you ever go issue diving, man, you know you can't go wrong with any of the single issues that Jonah Hex did, or the the shade issue he just did recently, or it's just great. You know they're all getting good. They're all good stuff. Yeah. yeah. So cool. So if you have any questions, you can call us at one eight 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 fanboys. Is one eight 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 three two six two six nine seven. We have other podcasts besides this one, and you should check them out. Uh, we have the Don't Miss podcast comes out on Mondays where we talk to a creator about a book that's coming out that Wednesday. And this week I talked to Walt Simonson. Pretty cool. About the Judas coin, an OGN coming out from uh, DC Comics. And and uh, I'm telling you, man, I've admired that guy forever. And when you talk to him and he lives up to that, it's just the best feeling on earth. I didn't want to hang up. Uh, I, so really great talking to him. Dude loves comic book art. Even after all this time, it's really cool. Uh, there's also the Make Comics podcast. We talked to uh, Tyler James of Comics Tribe last week about Kickstarter because he uh, he knows he knows his stuff on Kickstarter. So that's if you're an indie creator, you need to know uh, that as an option. You know, so you need to do it, but you should you should be aware of it. So uh, that's a good starter on that. And uh, every week we talk about um, other things to get into if you're making comics and things you should know. Um, so those two podcasts are, are available for your enjoyment. Oh, good for you! Good look for at you. you! Look at you! Uh, meanwhile, check out iFanboy.com for Josh's Pick the uh, Review. You can read my Book of the Month review soon. Just have, I just have to write it. Uh, including all the – and then in addition to that, you got all the in-depth daily discussion, all of the Marvel teasers, which really don't tell you anything other than one word, um, and all the fun stuff happening every day on iFanboy.com. Go to iFanboy.com slash about to see the staff page and the social network links to be our friends online. And follow us on Twitter.com slash iFanboy and Facebook.com slash iFanboy to get all the news and all the updates. A lot of questions you send in are answered by following iFanboy.com every day. 
Fair enough. If you can email us at uh, contact at ifanboy.com or you can uh, leave us a voicemail at 888-FANBOYS, which is 326-2697. Great voicemails this week, uh, short to the point, uh, playable because they weren't real long, but with, with really good questions for discussion. Um, so try that out and tell us who you are and where you're from. That's, that's interesting to us. And if you like what we do, go to iTunes and write a review for this podcast as well as the iFanboy Don't Miss and Make Comics. Actually, don't write a review for this podcast. We've got more than we need. Go write, <laughs> go write in for iFanboy Don't Miss and for Make Comics. Help spread the word for those books. And also, better yet, you know, tell your friends, tell people you know. Um, help spread the word. Go to conventions. Tell them about uh, the great thing of iFanboy that you've discovered. And hopefully we'll see a bunch of you soon at New York Comic Con. And you can tell us how great you like us there. Um, or not. We're fine with any of yeah. them. Yeah, exactly. If you don't want to tell us something nice, it's fine. But just, you know, do it do it politely. Do it. And and to give you a little more. So last week was the awesome episode 350, and we had such a great time. And you guys got to see a lot of behind the scenes of iFanboy. And I'll give you another little glimpse of behind the scenes of iFanboy where our good friend Josh tried a little too hard to get me to stumble in the script this week. And we got a little too big for his britches. But I'm, I'm smarter than that. So... I just I just think that's really funny. So until next time, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. And I'm Josh. <laughs>